This morning, as I was sitting here in the Malayalam service, and I, I, I was very surprised um, because Pastor had asked me to continue what he has been teaching. And, and as you all know, Pastor has been doing uh, the book of Philippians um, for the last many weeks, and he's been exhorting and teaching from that. And Pastor asked me that I should continue, and I said, well, I'll do that. And uh, so uh, I prepared uh, from the last chapter of Philippians uh, for today. And uh, very surprisingly, uh, this is how God moves, because uh, every verse that I'm going to speak here and everything that I'm going to talk about is exactly what Pastor Jijo talked in the morning in the Malayalam service. So the message for the church is the same this morning. There's no two different messages. I think we two people are preaching in the two different services, but the message to the church was the same. Even though the church that came in the morning, they got the same message. Um, let me... Uh, uh, let me uh, start here um, with a uh, you know with the introduction because I, I think uh, as we go down to the chapter four of Philippians um, we have to kind of take a little look back in the chapters before quickly so that we understand um, what is the importance of chapter four because one of the resounding words in chapter four is Philippians chapter four verse four which is also the key words uh, as you see in the book of Philippians. And as Pastor Jijo mentioned to me, uh, mentioned and spoke this morning, that Paul, when he writes his messages, his letters, his epistles, he concludes every message and every letter by speaking about the grace of God. And this is what I, I want to conclude today. My, my message is core. The core of my message today is about the grace of God. But here in Philippians chapter 4, one of the key words that you see is chapter 4, verse 4, where he says, Rejoice in the Lord again. And I say rejoice. It's not an accident that he had it repeated, but it is stressing. He is emphasizing that, look, I am rejoicing. I am rejoicing. And do you rejoice? Are you rejoicing? And when you, say the, when you look at the person who is saying, I'm rejoicing, and you can think, you can look at him and say, how can you be rejoicing? Because you're in the prison. Paul is in the prison in Rome when he's writing this. But he's writing this to, um, you know, one of his very favorite church. You know, his, his purpose here is to, is to try and, uh, and, and show, you know, what is the reason for rejoicing. It's a, it's, a, it's a Philippians church. If you go back and read in the book of Acts, you can understand that it is a church that was purposed by God. Because Paul was actually planning to go somewhere else, and the Holy Spirit repeatedly stopped him from going. And then finally one night he has a, has a dream in which a man from Macedonia is calling out, say, come and help us, come and help us. And that's the message for Paul, and he, Paul decides, yes, that is where I need to go. So that's the direction. God purposed him to go to Macedonia, where he ends up in the town of Philippi, where he actually starts ministering, and this church takes shape over there. So um, it's his favorite church. It is something, um, you know, it's a church where Paul had suffered extensively. If you know about the, the time that Paul and Silas, Silas was in jail, where they sang out and worshipped in the midnight, and you know the story about that, how God's power came and the prison just opened up, and, and that not only, you know, that was not the, the purpose was not to let them go, but that was the purpose over there was to have the entire the family of the jailer was saved. 
And so um, those are the things that, uh, that happened in the church of Philippi. And so here, when actually he's writing um, this epistle, he is now in, in Rome uh, imprisoned in a, in a house arrest. And that's where he's actually writing. And the reason why he's writing is because there is a brother by the name Epaphroditus who came from Philippi. The Philippi church has been very generous to him. And they have been providing everything for the support of Paul's ministry. And so while he's in prison, they're very concerned. They're very discouraged. And so they send Epaphroditus with all kinds of gifts and support for uh, Paul. And he sends the church sends him to Paul. But on this way, he, was, he fell sick. He was almost close to death. He suffered a lot trying to get to Paul and try to minister to Paul. And so Paul writes about that in this epistle. But this is the epistle that, this is the letter that Paul writes back to the church of Philippines and hands it over to Epaphroditus and uh, sends it back to the church of Philippi. So that is the context of this letter, the how this letter was written. So in this letter, there are quite a few challenging standards of Christian life that Paul actually lays out. As I said, the core verse of this, the core um, resounding message of this whole episode, the chapter, is that Rejoice, have joy. In every circumstances, is anything. The main core subject of this epistle, this letter, is that have joy. And so he explains throughout the book, uh, throughout this uh, letter, um, how and where and how you can have this joy. So in, 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 many, in many challenging Christian standards of living uh, is kind of laid out through this epistle. Um, the need for humility and servanthood. Uh, striving with the determination uh, towards the goal. I mean, these are things that will get you to have the joy that, that Paul is trying you to have, asking you to have. Rejoicing in the Lord always. And that's again, um, you know, in chapter 4, verse 4. Experiencing freedom from anxiety. That's something that he has addressed in this uh, episode, in this letter. Being content of all, in all circumstances. I mean, you cannot be joyful if you're not content in your circumstances. Doing all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that is something that uh, Paul, is, Paul is expressing here. So let us quickly go through, uh, make, a, make a quick walk through the chapters before, before we end up at chapter 4. And, uh, uh, you know, joy has been mentioned almost a dozen times across this uh, letter. Uh, so chapter 1 is about... Uh, the joy of living in Christ. And if you see, uh, I believe uh, they're going to put it on the, uh, on the, on the screen. Uh, chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, the church uh, here, he's writing this chapter 1, knowing, knowing with full knowledge, full, full awareness that the church at Philippi is discouraged. Because they are discouraged, and that's why they're sending Epaphroditus to Rome, because they know that their dear apostle is in prison, and they want to, him to be ministered. They're discouraged. And so that's why Paul is writing back to them and say, do not be discouraged. Because for me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And he writes down in that, in that chapter further, I, I prefer that I die and be with my Christ, 
but it is good that I stay here so that I can minister to you and minister to many. Because what the, the, the core thing that Paul is trying to give the message in chapter 1 is that, look, even though I'm suffering, even though I'm going through all these pain and problem, the gospel is advancing. So what this emphasis is like, look, our joy in spite of all the other circumstances is the fact that we're living for Christ. And we're living for the gospel of Christ. We're living for the message of Christ. We're living for the salvation of the people. And here in the first chapter, he makes a brief references. He says, look, you know what? The prison guards have started listening to me now. The prison guards are obeying the gospel now. So the gospel is advancing. So the, the purpose is to have, you know, take the, uh, you know, live for Christ because you have to find joy in the midst of suffering because gospel is advancing. Even the Roman gods have, have come to the, to, you know, come to the Lord. So he says in chapter 1, is the core message of chapter 1 is have joy. Do not be sad. Enjoy. Rejoice. No matter what is happening to you or no matter what is happening to me, live for Christ because the gospel is advancing. So we, when we move to chapter 2, he's talking about the joy in service for Christ. So it's a joy in, in Christ-like service. In, uh, in verse three, uh, 3 to 9, uh, chapter 2, verse 3 to 9, we read, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let us each esteem ourselves better than himself. Let us each of you look out on, not only for our interests, but also for the interests of others. So what is trying to send the message over here is exhorting. He's exhorting them to say, guys, you know, church, the, 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 my beloved church, live in humility and live in servanthood and, and start serving. Like have a, have a Christ-like nature in serving because, you know, here he's talking about how he emptied himself you know, emptying himself to, uh, to take a form of a servant, be obedient. You know, he's giving, and, and to do this, he's giving the example of, of, of he's giving a few examples. And the number one example that he's giving is the example of Christ himself. So he says, uh, verse 5, let us be, let, let this be uh, mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. He's saying, look how Christ himself, who was God himself, but took the nature of man and did not, you know, did not, you know, care about those things that he had the, 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 in, in heaven, but came down to him, to the earth to be poured out for us to be a sacrifice for us. So he's, he's saying, have a nature of, of servitude, have a nature of humility, have a nature of humbleness, and have a nature to give yourself up, have a Christ-like nature in serving. And that is the message um, of chapter two, because you, he says, when you do that, you will find joy in what you're doing, because that's what, that's what God wants us to do. And then he also gives there the example of, of Timothy. Um, he served to Paul like a son, and uh, was very genuine. He was very genuine. And he, 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 you know, we don't have time to go through all that, but if you read, you can see how he explains how Timothy was serving him. 
in a Christ-like manner. He also brings then the example of Epaphroditus, who says, you know, who, who took the risk uh, to come all the way to Rome and to be able to serve him. And he was almost close to death, yet he was willing to, willing to serve. So in chapter 2, we see he's, he's exhorting us to find joy in serving in, in, in a Christ-like servitude. Chapter 3, uh, we see chapter 3 where he says he's talking about the joy in fellowship. The joy in fellowship with Christ. And what he, you know, in chapter 3, even though he's, he's talking about that, he starts with a, with a warning. And he says, finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord again. He's talking about rejoicing. He's, he's, he's emphasizing and he's stressing. And he says, for me to write these things to you again and again it is not tedious, but it is because it is safe for me to write, for, write to you about these things. And so he's repeating there again, says, have joy. But this time he's talking about the joy in the fellowship with Christ. And he talks about, you know, he talks about some people that you need to be aware or be, be aware of. Because you need to know who you're fellowshipping with. You need to know that you're not be, you should not be fellowshipping with people that... Um, are evil workers that may tear you down. But he, he reminds them that we are the circumcision who worships God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no, and he says, have no confidence in the flesh, but rejoice in the spirit. Because he's talking about, in that chapter, he's further explaining and he's talking about what he was. Because he, had, he has so much to boast in the flesh. And he talks about all his credentials that he had, all the degrees and all the, all the positions and all the knowledge and the wealth, and everything that he had. And he talks about how he gave up all of that. He put all of that in, 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 his, in, his, in his book of accounts. He actually deletes everything that was in credit under his name. And he puts everything as loss. And he puts, moves everything to the debit column. And he says, I have nothing to claim credit on. Because my fellowship is with Christ. And... On the column of credit, he puts Christ there and he says, my God shall supply all my needs according to the riches and glory. I mean, he is the person who had so much to boast about in his flesh, in his, person, in his personality. He could have had so much connections. He could have gone so much higher in the world. He could have connected with the people, but he said, no, my joy is not connecting with the flesh. Not about boasting my flesh. Not about, you know, satisfying anything of my flesh. But my joy is in fellowship with Christ. That is my joy. And he's calling the church and he says, have joy in that. Rejoice in that. Because that is where, because down, the, down that chapter, he says, you know, our, fellow, our citizenship is not here on this earth. We don't belong here. We're living here, but our citizenship is in heaven. Because our fellowship is not with the earthly kingdom. Our fellowship cannot be with the earthly kingdom. Our fellowship is with the heavenly kingdom. And the heavenly kingdom, towards the end of that third chapter, he says, it is, if you look at chapter, uh, th th uh, chapter 3, verse 20, it says, it is an everlasting fellowship that because Christ is going to come and he's going to come and change our bodies into the body like him and to receive us into the heavenly kingdom. That is, because the fellowship doesn't, you know, it's, it's not with the people. The fellowship is with Christ, but the fellowship with Christ doesn't end here. Christ is coming. He's exhorting the church and he says, look, 
Continue that fellowship. Have the joy in having that fellowship because Lord is still is at hand and he is coming. And when he comes, our fellowship will continue with him in a glorified body like his. And he will receive us into the heavenly kingdom. And that's the context in which, you know, we are now entering into chapter 4. So today's uh, major topic that I'm, I'm going to talk about is from chapter 4. Because the chapter 4 talks about the joy in the rewards of God. Chapter 4 is all about the joy that can, you can get as rewards from God. So if you look at uh, chapter 4, but before he, chap before he goes into the topic of rejoicing and the rewards from God, he has, he addresses some minor problems that are going on in the church. In the first chapter, he addresses about the discouragement of the church where he says, don't be discouraged. I'm fine. Church is advancing. The gospel is advancing. Don't be discouraged. But then there is a, there's a certain disunity that is in the church between two sisters. So he quickly addresses that and he says, you know what? Take the disunity away. Brothers, help this sister, these sisters to come to agreement. He quickly notes that in that letter and says, we need to have the determination to stay with the Lord, to be in the Lord. We need to have the determination to not have discord in the church because these simple, small things can take the joy away, can take the reasons for the joy away. And so he says, there's also a need for, you know, gentleness in the church. So he addresses these minor things before that. He says, oh, you know, have the determination strong. Have your discords taken away. And have your gentleness be displayed to all. Because these are key things. It matters when you're trying to rejoice. Because it can take a joy away. And that's, you know, he puts that in, uh, in, in quickly out there. And then he goes into the, the core verse and he says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. And it's a repetition. He says, he's emphasizing on that. And he says, look, you know, living in Christ, there is a lot of things to be joyful about. Living in fellowship of Christ is there's a lot of things to be joyful about, that you're going to get joy. Living in a Christ-like servitude, there's a lot of things to be, joy, to be joyful about because God is a God who rewards. And what is his reward? That is what we are going to see in chapter 4. So in the first part, he says, rejoice in the Lord. That's the source. There's anything that you have to rejoice. Number one is that you have to rejoice in the Lord himself. Because he is the source of all our joy. You know. Um, but then the question who reads, that can happen to anybody who reads this is that, how can this man say so boldly, rejoice? He's in prison. He's in prison. He has no freedom. We don't know the, the real circumstances of how, you know, this imprisonment was or anything. It's said that he was probably in house arrest where he was allowed for people to come and visit him and things like that. But still he was in prison. And he was, you know, he was waiting to know what his fate's going to be. King Caesar is going to, you know, take care of him. He's look after his case and there's going to be something that's going to be done about this because he's now in prison. But even in that circumstances, he's saying, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. 
He says, look, I'm rejoicing. Can you rejoice? He's asking that question again to all of us. But then the question comes, you know, anybody can have that question. Is that, how can it be? Because always there are circumstances that we face when we will have the anxiety about, no, how can, the anxiety is going to take that joy away. The anxiety is going to take the reason to the joy away. So anxiety is a, is a very common thing and that can happen to anybody. And he understands that. He says, you know, the people who's reading this would say, you know, how can we do that? Because, you know, you're in prison. We're anxious about your situation. And that's where he addresses, he says, um, chap in chapter 4, verse 6 is, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication and by thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So, he understands that the people are anxious about him. The people are worried about him. So when he says, when he declares the message to be joyful, rejoice and rejoice again, he knows that the people have anxiety. And so that anxiety is going to prevent them from having joy. So he's saying, look, I understand you have anxiety. But the solution to your anxiety is to go to the source. And the source is the Lord. Go to the Lord in prayer and supplication and in petitions. You know, bring every situation to the Lord. So that, you know, in, in every situation, but the message is that the Christian has a reason to rejoice. No matter what the situation is. In every situation, the Christian has a reason to rejoice. Because... He is the source. He is the answer. And he can provide an answer. And that's why he's saying, look, take everything in prayer and supplication to the Lord. That is your, that's, your, that, that's, that's how you can find joy. And that's how you can find a way to rejoice. And then he says, you can rejoice in the Lord. And you can rejoice, I mean, as, as he said, you can rejoice in the Lord and you can rejoice in the Lord. By giving up all your anxiety and, and by going to the Lord in prayer. But also, another thing that you can rejoice, what he says in chapter 8 is, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, worthy, meditate on those. And he says this, not only uh, you can rejoice in the Lord, but also you can rejoice in the good things around you. In the world, there are a lot of good things in the world, but it is based on what you seek. So if you seek and if you look for anything that is excellent and praiseworthy, go to that. As you're in this world, as you're waiting in this world for the Lord to come and receive you, you can rejoice in the Lord, of course, but you can also rejoice in what's in the world. So if there's anything that is just, if there is anything that's true, if there's anything that's noble, go, go after the good of the world. And he says, if you go after the good of the world, you will rejoice. And not only that, he is also, um, again, if you go back to chapter 3, verse 17, he says, um, brethren, joining in, in following my example, note those who have, those who so walk as you have, uh, have us as, uh, as, a, as, have us as a pattern. And he says, look, you know, not only look at the world and have and seek the good of the world that, that you can enjoy, but look also inside the church. 
There are some good that is happening inside the church. Look at the pattern of what we are following. Look at the pattern of what we are doing. And he, he actually, um, here in the verse, in the chapter 4, itself says, um, in, in verse 9, he says, Things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things you do, and the God of peace will be with you. So it's not only that you look outside the world, into the world, and when you look outside into the world, look for the good. Look for the excellent. Look for something that God approves. Look for something that is praiseworthy. Because that will bring you joy. There's no doubt about it. Because, but if you go after the wrong things of the world, you may have a momentary joy. You may have a short joy. But at the end, it is destruction. It is a disaster. So he says, look for the good in the world and enjoy it. Take the good of the world. Good things that come to you. Enjoy it. You can enjoy it. You have good things in the world that will give you joy. You will be able to rejoice in them. But also look for things that are within the church. There are examples within the church. There are things set within the church where you can find, find joy and you can enjoy. And the third thing and the final thing that he actually um, encourages us to um, rejoice in this chapter is the, is the joy in contentment. Where in the, in the final portion, he kind of concludes this letter by thanking the church for what they have done. For thanking the church for the provisions that they have sent through Ephaphroditus and all the, all the good things that they have done. And, uh, and then as he, as he writes, you know, on, in, in, for, uh, in, in, in verse 13, he writes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is a very common verse that we often refer to and we often speak about and we often say. But the, the true translation of that is I can do all things in Christ Jesus. So he says, look, you can find contentment if you're in Christ Jesus. Everything that you need is provided through Christ Jesus. And that's, where he, that's why he, he takes that word and puts it against the credit column on his account. He says, my God can supply all my needs according to the riches and glory. Because he says, in Christ Jesus, there is everything is, is supplied. Everything is provided. And so, uh, as, we, as we look into this portion here, I want to take your attention to um, the book of, uh, book of Timothy, chapter 6, 6 to 10. And in the book of Timothy, Paul has written, uh, let me go to that portion here. In the book of Timothy, uh, chapter 6, verse 6 onwards, it says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we are not going to carry anything out. Having food and clothing with these things, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men into destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, 
for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So he's actually, uh, you know, if you look at how he was uh, exhorting here in the book of Timothy, he's talking about how contentment is an important thing for you to have if you need to rejoice. If you need to have joy in your life, you have to have contentment. And the source of your contentment is Christ. And he says, look, uh, godliness with contentment is a great gain. So he's exhorting here and he's saying, look, you know, if you, if you have contentment, because he gives his own example in chapter 4, he says how he's content. He has no needs. He says, you know, I'm, I'm so blessed. I'm so full. Um, you know, if we read uh, chapter 4 again to the, uh, to the last portion of that. And he says uh, in, in, uh, in verse 18, Indeed, I have all and abound in full, having received from Epaphroditus the things you have sent. He's saying, thank you, you know, for sending all these things because I'm content with what I've got. And he says, look, I, it's not that, you know, I, I, I like you to do this. It's not because that I want all these things. But he says, when, when you do these things, he's talking about the generosity of the church. He says, look, you know, I am content with what I have. I'm content in Christ. But I appreciate your generosity. Because your generosity brings more fruits to you. You know, I don't need much. But if you continue to do your generosity, so folks, it's important that if we want to be rejoicing in the Lord, if we want to be not anxious in the Lord, if we want to find joy in the goods of the Lord, you know, you have to also find contentment and you also have to be generous. These, both of these things go hand in hand. And again, uh, if you go back to the um, book of uh, Timothy, Chapter 6, I believe it's uh, verses uh, 17 to 19. Uh, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, uh, not to be proud, not, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they have rich, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may be, then they may lay hold of an eternal life. So what he's saying is that, look, you know, contentment is good, but also, even if you're content or not content, try to practice generosity. Try to practice to give away. Because when you give away, you're storing up for your eternal life. And that's why uh, contentment and generosity is very important to give you, to have your, have your joy. Going back to chapter 4 of the Philippines, he says, um, he talks about how he has received and he's full from what he has received in Ephaphroditus. Because he says, these things from you sent a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, and well-pleasing to God. He says, look, when you do have in your contentment, and in whatever situation you are, when you've expressed generosity and you've given to the church, it is a sweet aroma, a well-pleasing sacrifice to God. 
You know, the, the chapter actually talks about these things that would give you joy. But finally, at the end, when you read, is what you understand. What is the reason for that real joy? Because if you go back to, if you go to uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter, I have that over here. Um, 2 Corinthians 2, uh, chapter 8, verse 2. Let me go to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. Pastor Jijo referred to that this morning. And here, while writing to the book of Corinthians, he's making a reference to the book, to the, to the church in Philippi. And that's where he thinks, moreover, brethren, when we know, know we, have, we, we, we make known to you the grace of God that was bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, where the church of Philippi is, that in great trial of affliction, there was abundance of joy. And in deep poverty abound, when deep, in the deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. So here Paul is saying, look, the results of what you have done. And he's actually giving the churches, the, Philippi, the church of Philippi, the Philippian church's example to the, the church in Corinth. And he's saying, look, look at them. And he says, in the, in the trial and tribulation, in the trial, in the, in the time of affliction for them, they expressed abundant joy. And in the time of poverty, they were very liberal. They were giving out. But you know what it resulted in? It's the abounding grace of God. So brothers and sisters, this morning my message is, we got to rejoice in the Lord. We got to rejoice in the good things of the world. We got to rejoice ourselves in what the church provides us. We got to be content and we got to be rejoicing in our contentment. We got to be rejoicing in our charity. We got to be rejoicing in our generosity. Because all of these things we got to rejoice. Because when we do these things, the cause of the rejoicement, the joy, the cause of the joy, or, the, or, or what provides the joy is the grace of God. Because all we need is the grace of God. Because that's the example that he's pointing out about the church of Philippians. Because when he's, he's, writing, to the, he's writing to the church of Philippians here, is, and, and, and he's, he's exhorting this, and you can see the result of that had happened. And he's quoting them to the church in Corinth. Hey, look at the church in Philippi. Look at how they're abounding in grace because they have chosen to to show abundance of joy in the time of trouble. They've chosen to be you know, uh, liberal and, 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 and ex exercise charity in the time of poverty. It's not because they have a lot. They did not pack up Epaphroditus and send him to Rome because they had a lot. They sent him because Paul needed to be encouraged. And Paul says, I'm content, but I'm full. I'm glad you gave it to me. And by giving it to me, you guys have now abounding more fruits in yourself. But more than that, you will abound in grace. So that's the exhortation of the church. But then you go back and ask him the same question. But Paul, what makes you rejoice? And that's in the last word, in the, in the, in the last part, you know, in the last part of the, of the book of Philippians. Let me go back to that part. 
And he says, in the, in, in the last words he says, All the saints greet you, but especially those of the house of the Caesar greets you. What does that show? The Paul has a reason to rejoice because he's rejoicing in the, in the Lord. He's rejoicing in the service. He's rejoicing in all of these things because gospel is advancing. To what extent? Think about this man. He was a person who was persecuting people back in, you know, in the Jewish country. And one day, God knocked him down, put a laser on his eyes, shut him down for three days. I mean, he had all these degrees and he all this education, all of this authority and everything, and he was persecuting people in the zeal of that. And then one day, that was his vision. That was his vision. That was what he was doing. And one day, God shut him down, knocked him off for three days. He could not see anything. God, Christ came and spoke to him directly. And then and Ananias came and prayed for him. You know, the, it's the scales fell off his, car, off his eye. Now he had a vision through Christ. Now he was seeing everything through Christ. His completely his vision changed. I mean, he, he threw everything off that was credited against his name and counted everything lost, and he said, Christ is my purpose. Christ is my joy. Because his sole mission was to extend the ministry, I mean, the, the message of salvation through Christ. And look what the result is. And now he has actually converted people from the house of Caesar. He is imprisoned by Caesar to, make, to pass a judgment on him. But while in prison, even though he was suffering, he rejoices because he got the prison gods to convert and come find Christ. He found the household of Caesar. They're, they're now so involved in his ministry here, they are knowing everything about what he's doing and, and what Christ is doing through him, that they're sending the greetings through this letter to the church in Philippi. That is the reason why Paul is rejoicing. Brothers and sisters, we are called to rejoice in the work of the Lord. We're called to rejoice by what we have in the church. We have called to rejoice by giving to the church. Called to rejoice to be content with what we have. And called to rejoice in the generosity, in the, in the, in the provisions that we have in Christ. And this morning, as I conclude my message, I want to, I want to invite every one of you, as you have heard this morning, when you depart from here, I know we all have a lot of anxieties, issues, problems, pains. We have many issues. We, have, we are going through a lot of things. I mean, look around the world. There's uh, you know, no shortage of any trouble, any pain any challenges and any of these things. But as the chapter 4 says, as we conclude the study of this book of Philippians, we, we take away this, that the Lord wants us to rejoice. Regardless of anything, we have to find the joy, as, he, as Nehemiah says in his book, 
the joy of the Lord is my strength. And that is what we have to be strengthened by. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So I invite you to rejoice in the Lord. He is our source. He is what, who, who provides. Rejoice in spite of all the anxieties. Rejoice because we can go to the Lord in prayer. It's said the prayer is the currency of heaven. The more you spend, the more you get. Are you ready to spend more in prayer? Because all the anxieties, all the concerns can be removed away if you take your burdens in prayer and supplication to the Lord. Rejoice in the good that's around you. When you go out today, there are a lot of things that can attract you from the world. It's not good. But seek what is excellent. Seek what is praiseworthy. Seek in those things that are good, just, noble. And likewise, in those you will find joy. Brothers and sisters, spend yourself in the church. Look into the church. Look into the ministers of God. Look into what's happening around in the church of God. There is a lot of good you can tap into. Take time to go after that and tap into the joy that the church and the ministries and the God's work and, the, and, and, and all of the Christian ministries can, that can give you because you will find joy in that. And finally, be content of what you have. Even if you don't have more, be content. Not only being content, but within from that, try to be generous to give it away. Give to the church. Give to the ministries. Give wherever you can. That is where a lot of good can happen. Because not only the joy is for you, but the joy is for the world. And so we need to spread the joy around the world. You can only do that by yourself being rejoicing and being able to provide and be able to be generous enough to give away so that somebody else can also rejoice in Christ. Because just like Paul was successful in his ministry, just like the church in Philippi, even in their poverty when they gave, the grace of God. And today I want to say this, what you need, what you would get, the reward that you would get, that you would rejoice in is the grace of God. Because that is all you need. If you have grace, you have everything. As Pastor Jijo explained this morning, grace is something that you don't deserve. But God gives it to you. So this morning, if you have grace, if you find grace through all this, you will rejoice. You will have everything. May God bless you with these words.